0: you turn your attention to the screens today. Genesis chapter 15, verse number one through six. You can open your Bibles there or follow me on the screen. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Genesis 15, one through six. It said, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, none born in my house is my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look towards the heaven. Count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord. Would you say that with me? And he believed the Lord. Say it one more time. And he accounted it to him for righteousness. Father, I pray that as we look at your word, your spirit will speak to us today. Lord, we are testifiers that all of our life you have been faithful. And even when we didn't know what was happening and couldn't see your hand, you were still working on our behalf. And I thank you today. The deal is still on. We bless your name. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. High five three people and tell them, I believe God. Come on, just tell them, would you? I believe God. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Incredible. If you, communion we're going to take at the end of the service, sorry. You're an anxious crowd, here we go. Just hold on, a couple minutes we'll be there. There are many things that come to try the human soul. Probably one of the greatest things that try and test us and particularly as believers is something we all experience. It knows no boundaries. Comes to the wealthy and it comes to the poor. Comes to the people that live in apartment complexes and condos and it comes to gated neighborhoods. And that is delay. Anybody ever felt like there's something in your life should already been done by now? The amazing thing is, is that the Bible is written in such tension. There's a constant tension in the Bible and it's written there intentionally. God's very intentional about what he does. He tells us on one hand, everything's finished. But then on the other hand, we recognize it's not visible. In the unseen world, it's finished, but in the visible world, it's not yet realized. So we lay claims to things that we know are ours, but just not yet. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the management of the gap between those two things is the arena where your faith begins to operate at a different level. If in the economy of God, everything is finished, which I believe it is, and yet things only come into our life through time and through process, then God must have some purpose in the journey. See, the truth is, most of us love the destination. We don't like the journey. But God must have purpose in the journey. In fact, he told the children of Israel, he said, I'm going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey, but watch this. He said, I'm not going to take you the easy way. I'm actually going to take you the long route. And he said, I won't let you possess it all at once. I'm going to let you possess it little by little. And he said, the reason I'm going to let you possess it little by little is I don't want you to take territory and then in your immaturity not be able to fill the vacuum and the enemy come back in and reoccupy where you drove him out of. Let me tell you why sometimes we experience delays. How many of you know some of us experience delays that are self-inflicted? And it's self-inflicted primarily because we live in hesitation. I could, I, that, that, that's, the, that's the way I'm trying to be nice and I'm trying to be a pastor and it makes people not be offended. If you want to read it the Bible way, what happens is we live in fear. Come on, just look at your neighbor and tell them, tell the truth, you're afraid. We say things like this. Well, I'm still analyzing and I'm still gathering all the facts and going just tell the truth, I'm afraid. I don't want to take that step. And my hesitation is on my end, not on God's end. The children of Israel made what was a 12-day journey, a 40-year trip. Wasn't God's problem? It was their problem. Because they kept hesitating. The Bible says they were unpersuadable. Can I ask you a question? What would it take to persuade you to do something that you've never done, to go beyond? What would it take to do that? Because as long as there's hesitation, there will always be delays. I mean, you know, second of all, there are some delays that are the result of God's intention. In other words, how many of you have ever prayed for some things, and the more you prayed, the less it happened? Because we don't realize that God's very intentional. And so when he's doing things, he does it intentionally, and when he's not doing things, he does that intentionally. Because God understands a couple of things that we don't always understand, and that is this. That if I didn't intentionally delay your arrival, you would spend your life in immaturity. And you'd keep on being childish. And you'd keep asking for stuff that was self-centered rather than stuff that had to do with my purpose and my will for your life. I mean, you know, sometimes your waiting eliminates some of the stuff you thought you had to have. I ain't got no help in here. Come on, huh? It just sort of purifies my prayer life. And then thirdly, Sometimes our delays are because of distractions. Distractions. They're what the writer of Hebrews calls things that come, watch this, don't miss this, they are things that come to make us drift. Drift. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 1, it says, May we pay a more careful attention to what we've heard. So that we don't drift away. So we don't drift away. Can, can I suggest to you today, ladies and gentlemen, that some people are at a lower level of faith and it's not because all of a sudden something hit them. It's because over a period of time, they just begin to drift. Because we live in a culture that loves Drifting. Let me show you the definition of drift. Put this, put this on the screen for me if you would, guys. To drift, it means a deviation of direction from an intended course as the result of, watch this, currents or winds to be slowly, passively, or aimlessly carried off course. In other words, you drift when there's a current that you encounter that's contrary to where you're wanting to go. You drift when there are winds that blow in a different direction. And watch this. You drift when you get passive about what you've been promised. There is a major difference between waiting on God and being passive about his promise. You can learn to come at peace with his timing, but you can never become passive about what he's promised. Because when passivity and aimlessness becomes a way of life, when we sort of live our life this way, listen, when we live our life this way, whatever will be, will be. You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You just go with the flow. Come on, somebody. You sort of go with the flow. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. You can't help it. You can't stop it. It's here. It's coming. You know, you might as well just smile and take it because life's going to do that. Listen, that is not the Bible inevitability is something that we sometimes believe we have to accept but the truth of the matter is we have a God who alters life's patterns but we can't be passive about his promise can I suggest today that much of what we're facing in our culture and particularly about faith is that we are living in the drift Our confidence, watch this. There are people listening to my voice right now. Your confidence was eroded away. You've begun to accept less dreams because you lost grip on what was promised. It didn't happen all at once. In fact, oftentimes what it does is it comes through a series of events that taken by themselves You'd be able to withstand and shout the victory But after one event after another the car broke down then the kids got sick And then all of a sudden there's trouble at work And then I had trouble with my cousin at the family reunion and after all these events got added together It was almost as if multiplied They created confusion in our hearts. We wondered where God was and we became dis. Hearted about his plans and his purposes you don't have to answer me but I wonder how many people in this room today there are some things that this time last year you were sure of now you question you keep asking yourself things like this was that really true did God say that you really believe that can happen Man, Kathy and I experienced that. This year began with an incredible thrust. We began 2019 with one of the most, probably forceful thrusts that we have begun in a year in a long time. I got prophetic words, I don't get prophetic words a lot. I got, it's almost like everybody walked up to me, even in the grocery store, they were prophesying. I'm like, if I got a word on my forehead that says like, give me a word or something like that. I mean, I, was, I wasn't even looking for them. Words started coming from everywhere. And all of them were the same. People began to prophesy to me about the next 10 to 20 years of my life. Begin to talk about the most fruitful season we ever encountered. Influence going to another levels. So this past week, a man prophesied again to me. He said, people are thinking about 2020, but the Lord says to you to think about 2030 and 2040. I went glory. Come on, if you're my age, that's a good word. If you're 15, don't worry about it. Just sleep for a minute. I'll be back to you in a minute. And we began with, wow. And God gave us all these promises. He gave us promises about the gay church. And what I didn't realize is that when he gave us all those promises, what he was really doing was he was inviting us into a new season and an opportunity to learn patience and perseverance to a level we'd never learned it. And by August, when I went on break, God was asking me this question Can you stay the course? I was saying, Lord, nothing I'm seeing in my natural eyes looks like anything I saw in prayer. And God asked me, Can you stay the course? Because if you're going to ask for the blessing, you have to be prepared for the process. Because you can't carry the blessing until I brought you through the process. Can you stay the course? Can you believe when there is no supporting evidence? Can you walk around Jericho on day five when there hadn't even no sand pebbles falling out of the wall? Can you stay the course? God reminded me that one of my assignments in this city is to constantly be a hope giver. And he said, I want you to help people learn how to find hope and find direction and keep their faith in an environment that is constantly trying to bring them into a drift. We talk about people being distracted by electronic devices. We live in the most distracted world ever because of electronic devices. I ought to have an amen somewhere. I mean, we have to remind people you can't drive and text at the same time. It's just not smart. People go. Kathy and I go out to restaurants and we never cease to be amazed. A husband and wife sitting at a table, paid paid $30 for a plate of food, and they're both on their phones. Not even talking to each other. Why? Because we live in the most distracted society that man has ever known. What we don't realize is in those distractions, we are aimlessly and passively and subtly drifting from the things that really matter. God reminded me of the father of our faith, and he makes this great statement in Genesis 15, 1. He begins it with these words, after these things. I'm going to say it one more time. After these things, let that speak to you for a minute. Because how many of you know there's something yet to be said after the things that have caused you to drift? And after the things that caused you to question? And after the things that caused you to believe maybe this is never going to happen? See, what I had to realize is sometimes it's painful to be a visionary. Because you're continually dreaming and praying about what shall be, and you keep waking up to what is. And you find yourself in this tension. Am I talking to anybody in the room today? You find yourself in this tension. I, I believe my family is going to be really moved on by the power of God. But yet I keep seeing my kids go crazy. And maybe I believe my finances are about to break through. And I'm believing I'll keep honoring God with my tithe. But all of a sudden i got things I don't even know how I'm going to pay. And I live in this tension between what shall be and what is. And God comes and he says, after all of these things. I still got something to say after these things. What things is he talking about? Because how many of you know, watch this. How many of you know, watch this. The things that get us in trouble is just things. No, that's, that's, that's not deep. Now don't take that real deep. That's just, that's just, that's not a deep statement. If I was to ask people, if I just to pass the mic down the rows right here and say, what's really bothering you? When you stood up, it'd just be things. My car, my job, my house. Paul understood that. That's why he comes along in Romans chapter 8. And he makes this statement. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for me, who can be against me? Yeah, you may have faced some things. Maybe you've had some things show up at your house. Welcome to the human race. But after these things, after these things, what things is he talking about? Well, in Genesis 11 and 12, God is pulled Abraham out to be the father of faith. He said, I'm going I'm to give you an heir. I'm going to make you the father of a nation. And you, the, actually uh, all, through you, the whole earth is going to be blessed. You're going to have just a major number of descendants. And by the time we get to Genesis 15, it's been 15 years. And guess how many heirs he has? come on, somebody better help me because I'm going to really preach if you don't. Well, I tried to tithe for three weeks and I didn't get a blessing, so I, I quit. Fifteen years! And in that fifteen years, let me tell you what happened. Well, first of all, Abraham didn't understand all the instructions. God said to him, leave your family, leave your folks, go to a place I'm going to show you. And Abraham packs up his nephew, all his kids. He takes a journey with them. God finally goes, what part of that leave your kin folks didn't you understand? Because here's what happened. See, he took Lot with him and he ends up having, Lot ends up getting in an argument with his herdsmen. They get in a debate over who's gonna be the wealthiest and who's gonna have the most. And come on, it's like business partners. Ain't nobody gonna help me, but it's like business partners. We're fussing over, well, you didn't give it, You didn't make enough investment. Well, I ought to get more reward. Finally, Abraham says, look, let's stop this foolishness. I, first of all, you weren't even supposed to be with me. I now got a problem because God told me not to take you and you're here. I don't know if Abraham said that, but Tony would have said that. I, you weren't even supposed to be here. So let's quit this argument. You take whatever you want, you take the choice land, you go wherever you want, just leave me alone. Yep. Leave me where I'm at, because watch this, if God's favor's on my life, I can get the worst land and still turn out all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hmm? So you know Lot, he takes his herdsman, he goes off and he takes the richest land. In the mean, also in the same time, there comes a famine in the middle of the land. Abraham has to flee down into Egypt Or at least he chooses to he chooses to go to Egypt rather than trust God He gets to Egypt and the Pharaoh in Egypt wants to take his wife away from him as, to make him her, her, his wife Abraham lies oh Somebody ought to be helping me because some of these things that are going on are revealing the reason for the process because I am favored, but my character's a mess. I'll sell my wife if it helps my own hide. That's what Abraham said. He said, uh, Sarah, if, if you don't tell him you're my sister, then he's going to kill me and take you. Thank God Pharaoh had more integrity than Abraham did. Because Pharaoh brought her back and said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Shame on you. I mean, you know, it's really, it's really difficult when the world has to call out the church. We wonder why some blessings aren't falling. Sometimes it's because the world has to call out the character that's in the church. So Abraham's gone to Egypt. He comes out of God preserves him. He comes out of Egypt. Lot's done taking the best land now all of a sudden a couple years down in the best land and lot has gotten sucked down into Sodom and Gomorrah He's down there about to give his girls away to angels To get them away from Harry's house. It's in the family running run in their bloodline, I guess He's down there and about to be destroyed And Abraham has to go down and fight the king of Sodom in order to get Lot back. He has to fight to get somebody back that wasn't supposed to be there to begin with. He has to mass an army and go fight a battle that was never his to begin with. You don't have to answer me. I'm just preaching today, but it really is. It's helping me if it ain't helping nobody else. Because I realize there are some times in my life that I got distracted from the promise because I started fighting battles that had no spoils. It was fruitless. He went and brought Lot back. And after that, the king of Sodom showed up and said, I want to give you a bunch of money. I'm going to give you cows and land and I'm going to give you herds and I'm going to give you gold. And Abraham had to look at him and said, no, you're not. No, you're not. Because see, I, I wish I had an hour to stay right here. Listen to me. See, what happens is when you're down and you don't think the promise is going to come to pass, the devil will send somebody to give you what you think you're missing so he then can capture you with strings tied to whatever it is he gives you some of you are captive because you were in a hard place and all of a sudden you gave up something in order to get what you weren't willing to wait for you gave up early and got it ahead of time from somebody else and now guess what they're saying they're not saying God made your life they're saying I made you who you are and you owe me your life and you owe me your future and you owe me your dreams and you just get nervous every time their phone number comes up on your phone because you know they're going to be asking for something because they helped you out of a spot and rather than you waiting on God you took it but Abraham was smart enough by then he looked at the king of Sodom and he said I may be in need but I'm not taking your stuff lest you say your hand has made me great if I'm going to be great God's going to make me great if God don't make me great then I'll be whoever he makes me to be I know people that sold their convictions for a business deal. After these things, Abraham thinks the promise is over. He's living in disappointment. The Holy Spirit said to me, I believe there are people in this room today that had a promise. You embraced it. And then all of a sudden, unexpected loss of resources came. I I told you, Kathy and I started with a bang. It was incredible. We had the greatest conference of AD conference we've ever had this year in March. The largest amount of money given to help us expand it. I've been raising money for Uh, the project in Africa. Boom, the week after AD conference, I'm driving down the road and I'm getting dizzy and I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? I end up at the heart hospital to find out I've got this arrhythmic problem in my heart. Next thing you know, I go to find out something else. Then I start having trouble with a knee. Kathy starts having trouble with a hip. We both are sitting at home looking at each other going, I don't even know if we can walk out to the garage. We're way too young for that. Come on. I'm like, where'd all this come from all of a sudden? Out of nowhere. Are you with me? I go get my annual physical. My annual physicals have been so great. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on God right here. Listen to me. Last year, my doctor looked at me and he said, if I just look at your report and not look at you, I'd think you was 18 years old. So this year I go back in, I think, well, I can't be, you know, hey, your car can't fall apart in a year. (laughs) I go in, I go in two weeks ago for my annual physical and he says to me, he says, we've got some problems. I said, what's the problems? He said, I don't know. He said, they're sort of weird because they don't speak to each other. As a doctor, they don't make sense. So he said, I'm gonna retest you for two things. So so he runs, he retests me. I go back in this week, he tells me they have to take a cisk off my back. When they did, they had to cut into me. And the nurse, I asked her. I asked. They asked her when she did. I said, "Are you mad today?" Because I think I could have got less beaten on the street. She said, "No, I'm not mad. I'm getting married this week." I said, "Oh, that explains it." (laughs) I started praying for him. (laughs) Lord, I really believe. So they send that off. So I go back into the doctor, and he said, well, one test is okay, but the other test we've got to redo again. I'm thinking, Jesus, you're prophesying to me. Think about 2030. Think about 2040. Next 15 years is going to be the most exciting years of your life. And all of a sudden, everywhere I go, I get all these conflicting reports. And I find myself in a place of what shall be and what is. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Then I go to California and I got $12,000 in my briefcase and somebody breaks in my car and steals my briefcase. I'm like, I want to smack somebody. (laughs) Money was not even for just me. Do you know what I'm talking about? And the Lord says to me, after these things, See some of you had a promise that you embraced and then all of a sudden all hell broke loose in your house. You faced problems with your marriage, your kids, you had no anticipation of it coming. And you're like, where's this coming from? Your health was attacked. Your finances were attacked. You all of a sudden had unrest on the job. If you're a business person, maybe your contracts didn't come in the way you thought they were going to. And you go, what is going on? And God says to you, after these things. After the surgery, after the betrayal, after the rejection, after the layoff, after the divorce, the deal is still on. Because all of your life, I've been faithful to you. There's never been a time when I did not have your interest in my heart, the Lord declares. I've been looking out for you, and everything is gonna work together for your good. Oh, I wish somebody would help me shout for a minute. Somebody's gotta stay the course. after these things three things he did write these down real quick we'll be moving to communion first thing he did is the bible says that the lord said to him Abraham the deal is still on but where you're at presently you'll never receive it so he took him outside of his tent God says, you got to get a fresh perspective, Abraham. You keep staring at the same old four walls. You keep looking at a ceiling that you've built, not one I've built. God, that's a word for somebody. You came up with your own self-imposed ceiling. God said, I didn't put that ceiling there. You have put it there. You're the one who said we can't afford it. God didn't say you couldn't afford it. There's things in my heart. I know, I know God said to us about this house. We're starting our, our, our salt ministry, S-A-L-T Senior Adults Living Triumphant. It's starting the second week in October. I believe that they will come when we'll have housing for senior adults. So they won't have to live in expensive housing somewhere. We're not going to let our parents die in trouble. We're going to take care of the generation that were the builders who got us to this point. I have a dream that we build a place where adult seniors can live and we provide for them health care if they don't even have insurance. We'll make partnerships with doctors and make sure they're taken care of because we don't want our mamas and daddies to die without hope. We keep saying, well, I don't know if you can afford that. God said, that's a self-imposed. You're in a tent. I had a meeting this past week with a man who said to me, he said, I was a preacher. And he said, I didn't do very well at all. He said, because I'm really an entrepreneur. And he said, I had a church of about 50 people and I had a board that was made up about eight people. It's like 20% of the church is the board. And he said, they were always living in a tent. They didn't see anything. So he said, I just quit pastoring. He said, but you know what I did do, Bishop? He said, God told me if you'll get out of your tent and don't put any ceiling over your life, no self-imposed lids. He said, I'll show you my glory. He said, I built 5,000 apartments. He said, I own 5,000 apartments. He said, I had a construction company. I built another 3,000 homes. He said, when the, he said, Donald Trump and I were friends golfing partners before he ever thought about running for president. He said, I had two airplanes that sit at my disposal could go anywhere in the world. He said, it happened. Because I refuse to live in a tent. I don't know who I'm talking to today. But you need to quit judging God by your family history. And you need to start judging God by his word. Don't judge God by your experience. Judge him by his word. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you could ever ask or think. But he said, Abraham, i got to get you some exposure. Amanda and I was preaching. We were all, Pastor Ted was there, Kathy was there. We were preaching at a conference recently, and a lady came up to Amanda after I got done preaching. She told Amanda, Amanda preached the day before me. So Amanda, she said, I don't like you. That's what she said. She said, I don't like you. And she said, I don't like your dad. I was like, getting in line. Uh-huh. But she said to Amanda, she said, The reason I don't like your dad, and I don't like you, is you're always preaching, making me change. And I'm tired of changing. I said, oh, Jesus, I pray. let that anointing come on me everywhere. I pray I'm a divine agitator everywhere I go. Because if you're living below your privileges, I hope I stir you. I hope I offend you today if you're living below your privileges. Because it's time for the body of Christ to rise up and say, we are not under the devil's feet. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're blessed when we come in and we're blessed when we go out. Somebody needs to shout after these things. All the stuff that's hindered your vision. Everything that's hindered your sight. Small thinking. How many times in church world have we said things like this? Well, that's good enough. good enough just for the church. We bring our second-hand stuff from the house we don't want and donate it to the nursery. (laughs) Come on, somebody. He said, you're going to to get out of your small thinking, Abraham. Because right now, all you can see is Eliezer that's in your house. And you're mad at me. Because you don't have what you think I promised you. But he said, you don't realize that what I've been working on is if I'd have let you become that while you had that small pea brain of yours, you would have messed up everything I was trying to give you. So I had to bring you through this process till I could enlarge your mind and enlarge your thinking and cause you to be exposed to things that you never even knew were possible. You had to see things built that you didn't even know could be built. You had to watch people receive miracles you didn't know existed. You had to be in an atmosphere of people. Am I helping anybody in the building? Because sometimes you have just made peace with your disappointment. And you've explained it with religious terms. Well, you know, sometimes the Lord just doesn't do that. Where's the evidence of that? Where's the evidence God never, never did what he said he was going to do? God may not have said what you added on to what he said. But he never has made a statement he didn't live up to. Because he's not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of a man that he should repent. The key for us today is not God's character is not on trial here. It's my character and my ability to stay the course. Even in the midst of the conflict. Second thing was this. He said, not only am I going to have to change your perspective, but I'm going to have to challenge you to believe there are things possible that at the moment you don't believe are possible. You're going to have to change what you believe is possible. What you believe is possible. The Bible says, and he believed God. Oh, friends, that's a whole message in itself. Listen. Listen. Abraham, you know what we do? We, we go, we watch somebody on television who says, if you, you know, if you turn three flips and send me a $20 bill, poverty will be broken off your life, debt's going to be broke off your life. You know it ain't. Stop that foolishness. Ordering water from the Jordan River and oil from Israel because it's more anointed. That's craziness. Can I be your pastor today? Just stop that. I don't know how many of you have seen the Bob Newhart counseling little video. And he just basically says, Stop it. That's his counseling. The woman said, I feel like I'm going to die in a box. He said, Stop it. Anyway, that's, I don't know how I got off there. Here's my point Abraham didn't turn flips. He didn't have to go and work something up. What happened was in that moment, he went from a place of unbelief to a place of saying, I'm going to trust you. I believe God. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't even know where. But I know who. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. I know what my mama couldn't do. What my partners in business couldn't do. What my preacher couldn't do. God can do. I know who I have believed. Abraham said, I believe God. If you don't get anything else I say, don't miss this. Everything in your life. Will move at the speed of trust. Ever how quickly you can trust Him is how fast things will happen in your life. Because everything moves at the speed of trust. Our faith is not in my circumstances changing, my faith is in the unchanging character of God. He never fails. He's never forsaken us. He said to Abraham, I'm the one that brought you out. I'm the one who made you the promise. I'm the one who made a way for you to get out all these things. And I will not die, let you die without fulfilling my word to you. Yes, Come on team. Here's the last thing he said to him. He said, you're going to, to change your perspective. You're going to have to change what you believe is possible. And then here's where the passivity has to be dealt with. You're going to have to learn to fight in faith for what you believe. The Bible calls it contending. See, we live in a generation that doesn't want to contend for anything. We have a little hiccup in our marriage. We don't want to fight for it. We have a little trouble at work. We don't want to fight for our jobs. We get disappointed with the church. We don't know how to fight our way through our disappointment. So we disengage. So see, Abraham was disappointed. So here's what he does. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Don't miss this. He says to God, okay, I believe you. I believe you. But he said, I need a sign. I need a sign. Give me a sign. What's the sign that this is going to happen? I need a sign. Pastor Ted preached about this the other week in California. I need a sign. And God said to Abraham, you want a sign. Hope, don't miss this. Abraham, you want a sign. Let me tell you what I want, I want a sacrifice. Yes, that's right. yeah. Yeah. That's right. You won't get your sign till I get your sacrifice. Some of you are waiting on God to give you a sign and God's sitting in heaven waiting on you to give him a sacrifice. So here's what Abraham did. He took the animals and he split them in half. And he laid them out on the ground. If you read the rest of that chapter, here's what it says. And he sat there waiting on a sign. And there was no evidence. But Abraham stayed at his sacrifice. Because faith is the evidence of things it's hoped for. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Abraham stood there at his sacrifice and watch this. Here's the important part. The Bible says, and while his sacrifice was laying before God, vultures begin to gather. Vultures begin to gather and they begin to come and want to take his sacrifice and eat it up and take it away. The vultures have come to your house. You laid your servant's heart out before the Lord, but nothing happened in the timing you thought it should. And so now, rather than keeping your sacrifice there, you've just withdrawn. You've become inconsistent. Unfaithful. You honored God at one time with all of your life. You laid yourself out on the altar, said, Here I am. And then here came a, here came a vulture called, It's Taking Too Long. And here come another vulture. You're crazy. That ain't never going to happen. And here come another vulture. From your family going have you lost your mind why do you keep talking about that you know that ain't going you're too old but here's what Abraham did Abraham stood over his sacrifice and the Bible says he started fighting the vultures he started fighting the vultures and said get away from my sacrifice I gave this to God And I know God's good for it. So I'll praise him even when I don't see it. I'll give him glory when I don't know how it's gonna happen. Oh, you're not coming to get my sacrifice. You're not coming to get my faithfulness. You're not coming to steal my legacy. Get away from my promise. Get away from my heritage. I'm fighting vultures everywhere. Because if God said it, He'll do it! If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. I wish somebody helped me fight vultures for a minute. Come on. Throw your hands in the air and lift your praise. You've been faithful to you. Listen. Stand with me, would you? We're getting ready to receive communion. Listen. Sometimes God will let you see other people be blessed while you're waiting on your blessing. And it makes you frustrated because you know they're not even being as faithful as you are. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You say, God, they're not even living right. You keep promoting them. I got a word for you. Psalms 37, verse number one. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. For they shall soon be cut off. But delight yourself in the Lord. You know what that means? Means I keep praising when there's no reason to. The angel showed up at Mary's place and said, Mary, you're gonna have a baby because you're highly favored. Watch this. She wasn't favored because she gave birth to Jesus, she was favored before she ever got pregnant. It's not what you do that makes you favored. who you are. But she hadn't birthed nothing. She had birthed nothing. And here's what Luke 1 says. Here's what she did. She hadn't given birth to anything. She hadn't even shown. And she said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit doth rejoice in God my maker. I wonder what would happen when there's no evidence of what you've been promised. But you know you're carrying it on the inside of you. And the deal is still on. So therefore you say, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit doth rejoice in God my maker.